Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Napoli just keep on running away with the Serie A title race to the point that there is no longer a title race. Welcome back to another Italian football podcast here to talk about the Serie A match day 23 action. I'm here, your host, Connor Clancy, as ever. I've got Kev Pugzelski with me. Kev, can you fight your sniffles and coughs away and get through 40-odd minutes? Yeah, absolutely. What a professional. I'd never thought I'd say those words about you, but... Here we are. I've also got Ewan Burns here with me. He looks a little bit sad at the moment. I don't quite know why. Burns, are you okay? I'm okay. You, you, you caught me looking, looking sad for no reason. Why were you looking sad? To... I don't know. I was just reading something. You're sitting there in your sad. new hat. I think I just glazed out. <laughs> You've got a new hat on your head? I do. Ready for Thursday night. It's very it's, exciting. <laughs> it's a cluge hat, I'm guessing, is it? It is, yeah. But if you notice it, it's a train. You should have probably showed us this before. We had to lean and, over a microphone. And you know, you know, it. you know. When I said to you oh, that yeah. when I when I went up to the ground, I found a load of disused trains around the back. I, I, I feel there may be a link there. You're a big Which train guy as well. Months. Yeah, exactly. I was quite excited. I had to kill an hour around the stadium waiting for the club shop to open, and then I found a load of trains. So enough of this. Enough <laughs> of this nerd and nonsense. Let's move on to Vito Doria, who's also here with us. Vito, how are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Um, really don't have much to say, so I haven't got any. That's <laughs> yeah, good for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Kev, Let's get cracking on the football. Kev, you said about two minutes when I two two words when I introduced you, so you can pipe down. Go I've, I've just I've just come back from a long drive home from Newcastle, where not a single person said cow when we drove past cows. It's been a disappointing yeah, day. It's a very niche reference that only applies to the three of us and a 60-year-old man who wouldn't have even noticed us talking about it at the time. That's Never mind remember it. It means the listeners have got to sort of, you know, do some digging to find out what our cow and train references are or listen yeah. back to our I think the train pods. ones are simply understood. But, Bernsey, I don't know if you got the reference when I said nerd nonsense. Because if you didn't, it feels like I was just abusing you, but that wasn't what was happening there. Um, no, what is... Okay. Did you call me a nerd the other day? No, I, I do call you a nerd, but nerd nonsense <laughs> was particularly... Um, it, it was a particular reference to... I can't remember the name of him, but there's a, a Scottish man who works in English football punditry, and he gets very irate about things that he shouldn't... It's not Sunes. It's someone that I genuinely don't know the name of, and he was just, like, dismissing statistics at one point on like american tv i think it was and he was like nerd nonsense and it's just oh. stuck in my head <laughs> but anyway we're here to talk about Serie A and the the italian nerd nonsense but napoli are still what 15 points clear at the top because they beat sassuolo 2-0 on friday evening and it kind of made everything that followed it just a bit of a procession 
Samp lost 2-1 at home to Bologna. Late heartbreak there for the Blue Cecchiati again. Milan beat Monza 1-0 in Monza and Inter beat Udinese 3-1. But I think we could probably say that was a trickier game than the scoreline might suggest. Lecce did the double over Atalanta. They won 2-1 in Bergamo, having won 2-1 in Salento earlier in the season. Fiorentina scored a late equaliser to draw the Tuscan derby 1-1 against Empoli. Lazio, well, Ciro Mobile is back. He scored twice. They beat Salernitana 2-0 in Salerno. Juve beat Spezia 2-0. Roma edged Verona 1-0 at the Olimpico. And Torino Cremonese is still to come on Monday evening. There is only one place to start. It's at the top. It's in Reggio Emilia. I was there, Kev. Napoli, they're just professional, convincing. They don't have any weaknesses and they are strolling to the title. They're not marching anymore. They're not racing anybody anymore. They're just going about things and they're going to win the league in April. Absolutely. They've broken into a walk um, and probably the... The league are hoping that that will allow a few teams maybe to get a bit closer just to, you know, so they can talk up um, a potential sort of collapse by Napoli. But it's not going to happen. Um, the thing that stood out for me as the sort of the graphics were coming up on the screen during the game was that sort of the goal difference. I think it's plus yeah. 41. But then like the next, you know, from the teams closest to them, not the next best goal difference. But, you know, you're, you're looking like 20 goals. And that, that that sort of highlights how you you know you're you're saying there that they're you know they're good in attack they're solid in defence midfield functions you know almost perfectly even you know I'd argue that Alex Merritt's their weakest link but you know with the defence in front of him yeah. there's there's not a great deal for him to do although he did have a couple of saves to make um, on Friday night and yeah they're, they're just phenomenal it's yeah because you sort of you're trying to think you're trying to find things to think about when you're watching them go through the motions. When the sort of goal difference graphic came up, I thought to myself, because they have this head-to-head record in Italy, can you imagine if like somebody else was sort of say a Milan like they were last year, grinding out nil, nil, uh, one nils and things, that you had a team, let's say it's Napoli, with a plus forty-one goal difference and another side on the same points, and yet the other side won the league on head-to-head, you would be distraught as a Napoli player, as a Napoli fan, because, you know, it, that the goal difference does kind of show your strength, but that's a little nuance of Italy that I don't quite agree with in a way. To suggest that there's a weakness with this Napoli squad at this moment would sound picky, but uh, I'll probably disagree with Merit being the weak point, because I think when he does get tested, he is capable of making some very good saves. Uh, if if I could say there's a weakness or maybe I'd expect a little bit more from Napoli would be the right wing position. Although the likes of Politano and Lozano, they can uh, do a shift, they can track back and help defensively. I think the offensive output is just not as great as, say, Kovicic Kavaratskelia or Victor Oziman. So if we really had to clutch at straws, it'd be good if Politano and Lozano could add something. Otherwise, if they do contribute more directly to the goals who knows how much stronger this Napoli team can be I don't think we need to pick weaknesses do we can we not can we not just enjoy the fact that we can pick weaknesses in literally every other team in Serie A but with Napoli let's just say everyone's everyone's doing their bit everyone looks good but Burnsy some people are doing a little bit more than their bit and we spoke on the preview pod. I believe it was you, Kev, and I speaking. I think it was the three of us. 
about how this was my first time seeing Varascalia in the flesh. And I tried to watch him. I tried to just watch him at points because it was quite clear from early that Napoli were going to win this game. So I was like, let's just see what he does. But I couldn't help being drawn to his mate up front, Victor Ossiman, because, oh my good God, every time I watch him play, I convince myself that I'm actually falling in love with him. <laughs> I mean, both of them, uh, it's, I mean, Ossiman, they're, they're both brilliant in when you watch them for sort of different reasons, where Ossiman we already knew was fantastic. We just hadn't quite seen him at full whack, what we now know to be full whack. Mm. And then Kvaratskhel is the other side of it where no one, regardless of what they might tell you, no one had any idea how good this guy was going to be. No, 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 no. Um, Twitter says, Twitter says that they were all saying two years ago that Chelsea should sign him. Yes, well, (laughs) of course. Um, (laughs) But yeah, he's like, every time he does something, it's it's like, oh my God, this this guy, he's still doing it kind of thing. And then for Ozzyman, it's like, well like how far can he really go kind of thing he he feels like he's the more established star out of the two but for for Napoli as a whole like it just at this point it's it's like a greatest hits tour almost watching them play it's a bit like like they're just rocked up rock up and just well everyone there supporting them and the two big guys score two fantastic goals and then they go home again it's they're, they're just sort of cruising around Italy winning games of football until they get their trophy it's really it's really funny I wrote about this after and during the match, the just how different the two of them are and how they're just perfectly complementary because they are the exact opposites of each other. Like, Kvaraskelia, when you see him, he's... So, Kev, you were talking about how he runs like a little bit crouched over and when you when you just watch him in the stadium, he does kind of have the... I don't know what the word is. Like, you could confuse him for an elderly woman if you, if you just saw him <laughs> at a glance. Like, the way he moves, he, he looks like he's a little bit laboured when he's walking and he's not on the ball. But he does that thing that Messi does where he just kind of wanders and he's looking at the defenders when the ball's miles away. It's like he's just trying to see, right, next time I get it, who looks like they're not quite fully caught up with their breathing at the moment and I'm just going to go at them. And then you see his goal where he just comes back into the center circle. And I think that was probably the only time he had come central or that deep at any point. And then someone's on his back. He turns. He's gone past them. He skips past Lorente, gets to the box and just puts it through Ehrlich's legs and into the bottom corner. He's just like, all right. Yeah, he had done nothing (laughs) except for a a first minute nutmeg on Zortea. And then he just does that. And then, right, fine. We see how this is going. But... there's a subtlety and a softness to everything he does. And then Ossiman, everything he does is just like full of aggression and violence. And it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, I did find watching Ehrlich on the on the Kravitschelia goal quite amusing because it, it's almost as if he was backing away and sort of tripping and over his own feet. You know, I was sort of, I was there sort of willing him to fall over. But, and, and I think that's just sort of grown through the season because now people are expecting them to sort of to do. Whereas, in a way, actually, when he's up against Osserman, like you say, where it's that sort of physicality of, you know, the fact that he wants to kind of draw defenders into a into a fight. But but yet, Ehrlich can deal with either of them. And um, they, they do dovetail lovely. 
the, there's two things I've decided are my favourite things about Cavalascalia, right? One what is the <laughs> the way in which one of them's footballer, the other isn't. Um, the way that he's one of these players who he, he requires no backlift for a powerful shot, and that is such a valuable thing because who who did he score against? The was it Cremonese? Everybody, yeah, the, the Cremonese well, yeah, last the, Monday. The other, the lumber yeah, curler into he, the bottom corner. Where he came in from wide yeah. and then just snapped it back to the inside post. Um, that sort of thing. Where he, he can score at moments where defences just aren't expecting him to shoot, and that's so valuable. The other thing is that I get the vibe from it. You know those players, I think he's one of them, where you get the feeling that they're not remotely interested in football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, like he's, he's just sort of found himself in this position where he's, he thinks, well, yeah, this is obvious. If I, if I just have this ball and I just run up there and kick it, like it's easy. I'm not interested. I, I get, the, I get, the, just get the feeling that like he doesn't go home and watch documentaries about football or read about football. He's got no idea what anyone else in Serie A is doing. He just gets on the pitch and does really well, and then lives his life. Have Have any of you heard about Willy Bowley, who played for Wolves at some yeah. point? I don't know where he is now. And it, it took him two weeks to realise Wolves had signed a, uh, you know, sold one of his like his teammates because he just he doesn't he doesn't like football. He doesn't. I've just I've now just got this mental image of. Cravachelia turning up next season and realising that they've sold Osserman to Chelsea for sort of, I don't know, 500 million and just going, oh no, I should have really kept an eye on the yellow ticker on Sky Sport News or whatever it is in Italy because I'm now here with a load of bums that we've dragged up from the youth team because Aurelio De Laurentiis has sold everybody else from around me. But uh, I'd love that to happen. It's obviously not going to. I get what you mean, though. I, I, I do take all of that on board completely and there was a really nice moment i'll just take you into the press box at the at the map pay with me but when he scored that opener there was like an understanding around the press box that oh that was good you don't always get moments like that but he he went on his little run and you could see everyone around was like this is the moment this is his moment in this game and then when he finished everyone just like looked around and was smiling at each other like we've just we've just shared that together and then when Ossiman did it it was he like wrestled off two players were trying to wrestle him and he wasn't wrestling them back he just like was like get off me and then he shot from that angle with that power into the net and everyone just kind of went oh <laughs> made that noise like what's he done that for Gev yeah, well, on the Osman, I think it was impressive because it was clearly a shot, you know, so there was none of this, you know, oh, was it a cross, was it a shot? But to go back to something you said earlier about everybody's going, oh, you know, this, un- you know, this undiscovered talent in Cravachelia that we didn't see coming. He is still only 22. You know, this is the thing. You know, all these people claim they sort of, he was, you know, it's not as if he's 28 and nobody's sort of, nobody's gone after him. You know, he's been playing in, you know, out of Mongolia or somewhere and then suddenly he's coming. You know, he's 22, you know, players will have sort of spurts in their development. He was clearly very good and then obviously went back because he, he ended his contract with the, the Russian club he was with and, or, you know, got sold. However, somebody can correct me on what I've got wrong there, but he is only 22. So it's like, I think people are trying to claim that, you know, he was, you know, some sort of amazing discovery. He's probably just at the right stage of his career. He's found the right club and he's showing the world what he can do. Do you just want to interject? He did come from Dinamo Butami, Batumi, who are Georgian, and I have no shame in saying I had never heard of before. No. But he wouldn't he have been there, I don't think, if he hadn't. It was, it was the whole, it was the whole yeah. yeah, it was the Russian situation that actually 
meant it was a quick exit. So you go back and I don't think anybody expected him from what I understand to, to remain at the club he, <laughs> the one that you just said that he signed for Napoli from. Don't make me say it again because I'm not Batum, looking at it, it anymore. Batum, something, you know, yeah. <laughs> but they're enjoyable. They're going to be worthy winners. And I think everybody will celebrate the fact that we'll be ending the season with four different winners from the last four seasons. But go. Yeah, the, yeah, the only problem with that is I mean, last time I remember that happening was in Germany and then Munich are sort of 11. Buy Munich on 11 in a row. Oh, so yeah. let's hope that, does, oh, that doesn't well, happen. Juve are going to do that again. Juve <laughs> mm. will be back. But. The other side of the the fun coin is basically everybody else. Vito, Milan beat Monza 1-0 away from home. And I I think this is quite a big win because they're getting into a little bit of a stride now of keeping clean sheets, which is, if you're not Juventus, it's only a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Then with uh, Milan, after those heavy losses that they endured to Lazio and Sassuolo, they needed something to stop the rot. If they're not going to be scoring prolifically, if uh, Leao is not going to be wowing the crowds like he was, say, last year, I think they just got to go back to basics, which they've done, defended well. It was a nice goal from Junior Macias to uh, break the deadlock. And I think uh, they're just in a situation where results only matter. So it's a bit Juve-esque, but the moment, Dorosoneri just got to focus on their own goals. And uh, I think they're doing what they need to do to stay in Europe and also um, be more competitive in Serie A and try to stay within that fight for a Champions League spot. On that Milan performance, I, I don't I don't know that it will stay with that kind of continually winning 1-0 vibe for very long because th- this was better than a 1-0 performance. From Milan. Bear, bear in mind that Monza are Monza are good, mm. um, and they were at Monza, and it was it was loud there as well. They were they were very up for it, um, and there was there was multiple times where Milan absolutely should have scored again, and on on another day they would have. Um, obviously, the Torino game and the Tottenham game, they were one nil win performances. This, this did have more about it, and you know while Liao again didn't score, um, I'm convinced it is coming back him because he was very involved albeit patchy um, and I think he's the sort of guy, if, if he gets one I think he'll be straight back amongst it in at full work again. I don't know if I'd agree that it was, it could have been like a 2 or 3 nil win for Milan because Monza had a couple of chances too and Milan well, only had 14 yeah. shots to Monza's 11, Monza had 60% of the ball, I thought it was quite evenly balanced and almost scrappy in yeah. that way the the game was I, I more mean Milan specifically their performance they they were they were worthy of more than one goal Monza definitely were pushing towards the end um, and because of Twitter's fun technical difficulties yesterday I was very fearful that they were going <laughs> to score <laughs> I was fearful that anyone would score um, but yeah yeah I, I, you are right in terms of the the balance of the game but I think Milan were worthy of more than one goal in that game. I feel like Ewan's got two definitions of sort of a 1-0 win though because the, the Torino game was Milan sitting off, not you know sucking up the pressure that they were allowing Torino you know, and getting away with it because they, they scored their goal, whereas Tottenham, Milan were, you know, they were, they were quite strong in, in, in comparison to, you know, how they've been recently and I know Tottenham had a weaker side out, but they should have won by more because they missed chances. 
and, and yesterday felt more like the Tottenham game where which I wouldn't I wouldn't sort of class as a, a, a typical one nil. One nil is me sort of grinding out it's a you know, it's a industrial type it's backs to the wall sort of a game, whereas, you know, Milan look like they are finding some some more attacking prowess, but without the finishes. You know, Leal was shooting from distance, so I think that, that sometimes can inflate your numbers a little, but he looks like he at least wants to be there again, which he hasn't in the last couple of weeks um, since probably the the uh, Tottenham game changed that. Vito, what did you think about the Milan performance? Because we, we know that you like attacking football, you like front foot football. There's more than a hint of pragmatism to, or maybe pragmatism might even be a bit generous for what I'm trying to say. But Pioli is basically setting up now, starting a match with the approach of damage limitation and then hoping that Milan can nick one with, with Liao and co up top. Well, it's certainly leaning towards that way now. And although it means that Milan aren't particularly interesting to watch, I think uh, what Pioli's showing is that with how the rest of the squad is, they don't have the players in form to play the football that they perhaps would like to play. And they've got their share of glaring weaknesses. So in this situation, I think he's playing this more cautious football just for the sake of not being blown out of the water again because it would be more concerning if they kept on producing those kind of performances in which they got smashed like they did against Sassuolo and Lazio and really a club of Milan stature should not be losing those kind of games, or at least not in that manner. What do you make of this back three? Because I'm I'm assuming this is the first choice back three now with, with Kalulu, Tiao and Tomori. And then Manyan's on his way back finally as well. So... Milan fans could be forgiven for for having a little bit of a smile on their face coming into a new week. Looking at this defence, at least they've got players that are both physically strong. No, not both. The three of them, they're physically strong, but they're very athletic and agile as well. And another thing to consider is that uh, Simon Kayer, you know, he's been a fine defender. His experience has been valuable over the last few seasons, but I think with the injuries he's had, he's starting to show a bit of wear and tear. And then also, if they got to look to Matteo Gabbia, that's concerning because I really don't think Gabbia is a Milan standard defender at all. He's really a team for relegation. I mean, he's a defender for relegation battler. Mm. Yeah, he is one of those. I think he's probably there for reasons beyond footballing ability, but more so the fact that he's Italian and he ticks a few boxes. For, for them in that regard. So you need the players like that. <clears throat> Matteo Ruggeri. Um, there are a lot of them about in Serie A, unfortunately. But I think we can leave Milan there. Positive signs. Positive signs. I think Pioli deserves a little bit of credit because I, I think there was a lot of belief that maybe when the things started to go wrong, he wouldn't be able to like get them back on track. But he's done well so far. Burnsy. Ciro Mobile is back. He scored twice. Lazio won 2 0. He's now got three goals in two games. Crisis averted. Everything's okay again. Well, yeah, of course, because that, that's how it works with Lazio. Yes. If they win a game, it means that they'll do loads in a they'll row. They'll be in crisis after they play Cluj <laughs> again. Exactly. When they get beaten by the railway men that I've decided <laughs> Cluj are probably nicknamed based do on a my hat. Quick that. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, that is massive in, in a in a top four um, 
battle if you've got you know if you're as dependent on immobile as they have been for a long time if you suddenly have a version of him that isn't quite working the same way that is not helpful at all um and also if you look you know you look at that battle inter one roma one milan one lazio one so you know they they need the, the margins there, there are no margins of error to work with in this battle so they really need him firing properly Clues apparently have five nicknames, according to the always reliable Wikipedia. One of them's got to be. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give you the English translations of these because I, I cannot Go speak on, read Romanian. the Romanian. Um, <laughs> the CFR people, the Kluge okay. people, the White and Burgundies, <laughs> the nice. Provincial Champion, and the Railway Men. Yes, there word for go. word. <laughs> the Railway Men, yeah. I'm a Railway Man. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, I I really don't did, know. Did I say to you my favourite detail at their stadium, and I think everyone oh, will enjoy it? Is that as I got there, the the car park, there's a, there's a man in a box who's the security, um, and then halfway into the car park, there's a dog just tied on a long piece of string to the wall with a kennel next to it that just barks at everything that goes past. Is he a stadium dog? He was fully in the stadium vicinity he was in the car park of the stadium tied up to the wall of the stadium um and this was on what day of the week would this have been wednesday a wednesday morning of not a match day or anything and he was just there so i reckon he was a security guy's dog i love that that's very very provincial club that well they are the provincial champion so maybe mm. maybe that's i couldn't get a about. picture of him though because Didn't i would have had to walk then. past the security man and At... i didn't really fancy having that broken comp conversation at t-h-o-t-y-a wait what oh did you, are you saying the whole thing in the year happen? award yeah because if, uh, okay. if it did happen, we're in 2023 mate you take photos of everything that happens yeah that's true so you got film strangers and stuff don't you yeah i do not believe you <laughs> i do not believe you because yeah there you go what can you do um friends i'll stick with you for this because inter got a win uh they beat udinese 3-1 but it was closer than that, wasn't that? Yeah, uh, Inter. I mean, all of the teams in this battle, I would say, are very unreliable hard to, and flaky. Yeah, they're <laughs> very hard to judge in a big picture sense. Um, Inter have got that slight. You know, they're, they're three points up the road, as it were. They're in second. They, they're, they're very much trying to solidify themselves as we're not in that battle. We're, you know, we're one up. We're going to stay in second place, but. They've had so many games, this being one that could so easily have gone the other way. Um, and the bit I found mad was, I know he made amends for it by scoring at the end anyway, but with not long to go and it was 2-1 and Lautaro was through on goal. And he tried this daft chip that just wasn't what was on and not for the situation. <laughs> and, you know, I just think that sort of thing is, that was weird from him. I didn't like that. I, I felt like he's not normally like, he's normally a ruthless when he's in that sort of position. And it was a bit weird. The thing that really got me about this particular game is that Udinese could have got something out of it, but it took a moment of selfishness to pot to really kill the Zabretta's hopes. Udinese had four people going forward and had to face just two winter defenders. He tried to be a hero and do it all himself, and he gets his shot blocked. In hindsight, in that moment, he should have looked to his right and passed to Beto, and that could have been 2-1 to Udinese. And then... 
Udinese, they get destroyed on the counter-attack and then Mkhitaryan scores that lovely goal. Just makes you wonder what can happen when you make the wrong decision at certain moments. Atalanta were beaten again 2-1 by Lecce. Um, they just they can't beat Lecce this season. Burnsy, uh, Asan Cisse scored the opener from long, long, long way out to the point where I don't really know why Musa didn't save it because you could see where it was going for what felt like about five seconds. Alexis Blin then put them 2-0 up late on as Atalanta were pushing for an equaliser. And then Rasmus Hoyland scored a goal that you don't see enough of, right? So he closed down the the Lecce goalkeeper from the side and got a block on the attempted clearance and it went in, which never happens. You see it go narrowly wide a few times, but it, it was fun. And your boys, who you also have a hat of, Lecce, they <laughs> are... I'm not counting Monza in this conversation because they're not a normal newly promoted side in that the backing they've got is, is a little bit different. But I I think Lecce are the most impressive newly promoted side in Serie A that I can remember for a few years. Yeah, I think they've definitely got me right up there because they're in, what, 13th now. And you look at the table, that there is scope to go even higher if they want it. They're not going to get relegated. Well, you know, I shouldn't say that because that's cruel. They're, they're ten points ahead of the relegation zone, so you <laughs> you should never say that. The superstition um, is creeping in. <laughs> um, just on that Hoyland goal, I mean, you, you say that we don't see enough of it. You could argue that you should just never see it full stop because there's no excuse for that to ever happen from a goalkeeper's perspective. Um, the thing is, what was what was odd about it is that. Yeah, Falcone didn't slip. He he, he didn't lose control. He, he, just, he just yeah, he just took ages to get rid of the ball. Yeah. Um, Island is rapid though. Yeah, but it, like he, he was far away. <laughs> like he still, regardless, just should not have happened. Um, and there, there was a moment quite soon after it had gone two one where he he made a save, um, and then he started punching the floor yeah, for much yeah, yeah. longer than you'd think anyone ever would, and um, and it was. It, it was clearly him and all his frustration thinking I've got a lot of minutes to not a lot of, but in the context, a lot of minutes to get through here where like any, if yeah. they score again, this is on me because Atalanta weren't getting back into that game until that moment. There was, there was very little, surprisingly, there was very little sign that anything was really going to happen. Um, Atalanta yeah, just had that, one of their stinky days up front. Like they, they never really looked like they were going to score. There was the, they had a goal ruled out in the first half, wasn't it? When when Luckman went in and he was just offside. Mm, yeah. I, as soon as that was ruled out, I kind of thought, oh, right. It's one of those <laughs> days, isn't it? It was um, the only thing, that, if I were an Atalanta fan, that I'd take heart from is that it didn't look at any point among those forwards that there was any lack of application. It, it did just seem to be a case of it, it just wasn't happening. They just weren't clicking together on that day. Hoyland especially. I mean, the the goal is an exhibit of the fact that it did not feel like Atalanta were going to get back into it, but he still chased that down. Yeah. And he got the reward for it. So I, I don't think that performance re- necessarily has to be read into in a massive way from an Atalanta perspective. No. I think they I, were just a bit crap. I, I think it's important to say as well, Martin Duran was not there. And when Martin Duran's not there, Atalanta concede goals. And if you didn't watch this game... Or maybe you did watch this game and wondered why Atalanta didn't have much in attack. Look at their substitutes bench. Because I think there were about six players on it. 
And I guarantee most of our listeners won't have heard of three of them. One of them who came on, um, the Vorecki. jet lad, yes, I thought he looked very tidy. Yeah, there's um, there's a lot of hope and expectation and excitement around him in Bergamo, and there has been for a few years. I'm pretty hmm. sure he was part of the Primavera team that won the Coppa Italia and then got to the final the following year, back in 1920, I think it would have been. So everyone's been kind of waiting for him to get a chance in the first team. And now after that performance today, his decision-making wasn't great. He probably shot a couple of times too many uh, when he should have looked to pass it. But after that performance today, everybody that I've spoken to has been saying, give him a few more minutes this season. Yeah, he didn't look out of place at all. And even the shooting, you you could argue that the situation called for it in the sense that he got chucked on it 2-0 down. But he... He didn't look panicky to, to the point where I I'd spotted him and I was like, "Who's who's the twenty three? He looks quite good, but I can't look at who that." For, for a second, I was really doubting myself, being like, "Is that Cut Miners?" Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I know it's not, but I can't look at who that is. And they didn't look out of place, but yeah, he did a nice job. Kevin, are you here? I think so. Right, sounds good. Um, Fiorentina won, Empoli won. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, give me that. Give me that one. That's what, that's what happens when you drop out for fifteen minutes of the ball. Ten minutes of speaking, go. <laughs> um, positive result for Fiorentina, given that they were one nil behind, and Empoli are definitely a better team than them at the moment. But it says a lot about the state of affairs at Fiorentina when we are talking about a one one draw at home at Empoli being a a good thing. I think you're being really positive because I don't know why I seem to see so many Fiorentina sort of fans on my Twitter timeline, but they sort of, you know, they they thought this was catastrophic. You know, they should be pumping Empoli 3 or 4 nil or something, you know, and they were lamenting the poorness of their team, which has probably been just as poor for the last however many seasons because we'd probably lose count. Um, so it was quite surprising, really. But yeah, they, 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 got, a good, they got a good result in the circumstance because obviously it shaved off the crossbar for the uh, Cabral, wasn't it, to put the header in. Uh-huh. What I find interesting, and I think it's easy to sort of put down the conference league because it's a newer competition and then the standard of the teams and all that, but uh, you really see a difference this season between Fiorentina in Europe and Fiorentina in Serie A. In Serie A, they're struggling to score goals, but in the conference league, they're winning rather comprehensively. You could argue that it could be the quality of the opponents, but you also can consider that in Europe, they probably got a bit more space to play the football they want. Whereas given that they don't play at a necessarily high tempo, that in Serie A, it's just easy to defend in a deep block and they just block off the channels much easier. So it makes it a bit harder to try and take shots in the final third. Maybe it's self-belief. Maybe they go into the conference league yeah. thinking we're too good for this. So, you know, they they, they get a bit more swagger. And in Serie A, they think, yeah, we're going to finish 10th again, aren't we? We're probably not <laughs> even that high. Vito, I'm think... sorry. I'm sorry, Bernsey, but we're going to move on to, to Samp Bologna because, oh, Vito, Vito, Vito. <laughs> Roberto Soriano, an ex of Samp, mm. put Bologna 1-0 up with a decent strike. Basically, a better version of Cisse's in that I wouldn't really blame anybody for this one going in. It was just a decent hit. And then Sabiri scored a penalty. And then Sabiri got another penalty and and Skorupski saved it. And then in the 90th minute, just when it looked like Samp were actually going to get a point, Ricardo Orsolini, the, the man that you love, 
you love Ricardo Rossellini more than anyone loves Ricardo Rossellini. And he he did that to Yavito. He cut in off the right and hammered one in. Sinking, sinking feeling. Oh, it is. Uh, both Bologna goals were lovely goals, uh, i got to say. And then, yeah, just to see Sabiri get that second penalty saved and to lose in that moment, it is gut-wrenching, but also probably another thing that symbolizes some season so far that it just looks like a downward spiral from here. It doesn't look like there's a return, but uh, just to reiterate, it doesn't seem like Serie B is the worst of our problems. Mm. All the events that are happening off the pitch as well kind of hint that even the club's survival is at stake. And, you know, Serie B might not be the worst thing. The worst thing is, you know, either Serie C or Serie D. This is the this is the scary thing. And anybody listening, if you go to total-italianfootball.com, in the next couple of days, Vito will have an article, basically a, a Sampdoria explainer, talking about what exactly is going on at that club. Because you're dead right. I think relegation from Serie A is a certainty this season. I don't think we're even at the point of that being up for discussion anymore. And that is not even on the radar of their concerns because there's a very real chance that Samp won't exist by the end of the season and they'll have to reform and start from from scratch, which we've seen far too many times in Italian football in the last few years. And again, there's an article from Vito Toria going up on the website, total-italianfootball.com, in the next few days, basically looking at those clubs who have fallen out of existence and then come back. But as someone who supports a, a small like town club back in Ireland who have been on the verge of going out of existence, it's not easy. It's a really tough thing to experience as a fan. So, Vito, my, my, my heart is very much with you and, and your fellow Sam fans. Kevin, just just when we're on Samp, just sort of a, a very small aside. I mean, those that have followed me on social media, you'll see that just a couple of like one road over, there's a there's somebody that keeps putting a Samp. It's like a St George's cross, but with Sampdoria in it. You know, I know, I know Vito will remember the one that I posted as we were leaving the house the other day, and oh, it, in, no. in a shame I was in a rush. That the chap who lives in the property had just I I I'd describe it as maybe fifty Samp shirts like on hangers they were either going to do a car boot i hope they weren't i hope they weren't going to burn them just because of sam's predicament (laughs) but it was just bizarre so i sort of because i was in a rush i was with stace and i was like that's a lot of sam shirts there lad and he was like yeah yeah yeah." but i I, I just wish i'd i need to i need to see him out to his house because i'm not you know we're not on communication sort of Right. and actually find out what he was doing because if some of those were just going to a car boot then it's an absolute tragedy because they look like there yeah, was grab, grab a few they look like there was a good I few think... seasons worth there you know decades and he's about my considering age considering the book that you've written and what is on the front of it I'd say you're within the correct realm to just knock on the door you reckon so I don't know. yeah I'm not, I'm not I think you've got enough in common there I'd agree <laughs> I need, I need, I need, because other people, you know, their their mail gets delivered to wrong addresses. I need, I need that to happen really and be their address. But you know, I'm, I'm clearly not as uh, forward as you, you. Is he near enough that? I mean, I, I'm talking the talk. I absolutely wouldn't do that. <laughs> but does it? Does he live near enough to you that the mail would ever actually get mixed up, or is he like eight doors down or something? No, he's one road over. So usually it's they mm. give us 
uh, the door number. I don't know when, if, why I'm not giving my door number out. Not as if anybody's going to come and find me. <laughs> but, well, a couple of people do know the area you live in. You it, it's, yeah, that. it's usually the door number of the road over. And then it's like, oh, yeah, we then you go and do that. You know, we've clearly got a crap posty. Maybe he was trying he was to just get all of the superstition. So Sam had a big game coming up, so he put all the shirts out. Because I've got a couple of lucky shirts that when Atalanta play, I usually either put one on or have it beside me on the sofa. And I didn't How did do that, that go today. for you today? I didn't do it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did it for the Lazio game. Didn't do it today. So there you go. Well, I'm never going to not do it again for the rest of the season. Hopefully, I'll have a future update. You never know. Fingers crossed. Well, keep us updated on, on Twitter. I don't know why I paused there. I, like, <laughs> I, I didn't give you any cues that I was waiting <laughs> that was, for you. That was on you. Yeah. yeah, it was on me. I looked away to the side. But anyway, um, Spezia nil Juventus 2. Did anybody bother um, to watch this? Because I actively encouraged you and to not. I caught a little bit. What um, is wrong with you? I told you to not do it. I was sat at the laptop all day. I had to just put games on, whatever was on. Um, and the other games were on with Spurs and a Dortmund game that was dead at the point I left it. Um, but the only thing I'd say is go and look at Di Maria's goal, the second goal. That was nice. Apart from that, ignore it with everything, with every part of you. I, I, I learned something today by watching the game, having the game in the background. Um, in the car? No, no, because I've got it on now. Because I've just come in. I'm so, oh, it's the only game I'm not seeing, so I'll put it on now. Because that rainbow kit sort of draws you to the goalkeeper. And Dragovsky started. But I don't no, know. Sorry, I have to interject. It's the Cinque Terre kit. Oh, okay. a rainbow. So Cinque Terre kit. But <laughs> I'm sure I saw Dragovsky. And then I looked back up a moment ago because the kit came on the TV, TV again. And Marchetti's in goal. So, if, A, I don't know how, <laughs> within this podcast, I don't know how Dragoski got injured. But also, I've just learned that Marchetti's at, <laughs> at Spezia, which I thought he'd retired. Um, he got I, injured just before the World Cup, didn't he? Lazio yeah. He snapped his ankle. Yeah, I knew, I knew how he missed the World Cup, but I didn't realise Federico Marchetti was... Was, guess was, and game, you know. guess and game, guess and game. Mm. How old is, is he? How old is Federico Marchetti? Oh, he's gonna... Is he the one who was at Lazio? He was Lazio yeah. goalkeeper for a while, yeah. Jeez. He's going to be He's gonna be about 33, I'd say. 33? <laughs> oh, you well, God, younger than us. He's going to be about 37, isn't he? <laughs> I will talk you through his career. Okay. So he started out as a senior pro in 2002 with Torino. Then he had loan spells with Provercelli, Crotone, Treviso, and again Provercelli. Then he went to Bieleza, who I've never heard of. Then Albino Lefe, Cagliari, Lazio from 2011 to 2018. Genoa from 2018 to 2022. And now he's gone from taking one Ligurian club down to Serie B to probably doing it with another. Because <laughs> I think Spezia are in, in big trouble. But Federico Marchetti, how old is he? Everyone gets a guess. Bernsey says 38. Vito? 39. 39, Kev. Uh, I'll, okay, I'll go 37. I think I think because Idiot. because Lazio was 2011, <laughs> I was falling to be like 20. <laughs> you had to go more there. Yeah. Vito, go again. I said 39. You did, but I'm giving you another one because it wasn't right. <laughs> go higher. higher. 40. Vito wins. There you go. Congratulations, Mr. Dorian. Um, side oh, note, I've decided there are more people that have played for Albino Lefe than haven't 
in the Italian football world. I think every time you look into any player's career, they've been there at some point. Why wouldn't Discussed. you? Lovely little, <laughs> lovely little <laughs> Pato Bagamo. Juve have moved them on there to uh, get their valuations <laughs> up or down. Yeah. One of their satellite clubs. <laughs> <laughs> allegedly. Where Andrea Bellotti allegedly. was before. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was hoping you were going to say that. That's where Andrea Bellotti was before he went to Palermo, I'm pretty sure. I'll be an honest because he is Bergamo yep. still. Um, there you go, Vito says it's right. It's definitely right because he, he just knows <laughs> those things. But I think that's it. I, I don't think there's a game that we've overlooked. Although Do I do have a pre- habit of doing Torino Cremonese? Uh, Torino Cremonese, I've got a friend who's taking <laughs> their partner to this for oh, their geez. first ever football match. And I laughed so much when they said that because it's going to be a rotter. Vito. They're going to break up with him there. <laughs> what a fitting backdrop. <laughs> did we miss Roma Verona or have we did ignored we? it? Yeah. Uh, oh my God. Because we... we just finished. Did we talk about this? We didn't. I think we, we very briefly did on a tangent, I think, but definitely not properly. Uh, just go to total-italianfootball.com and read what Suhal wrote about the game. Roma mm. don't have a, a creative player when Dybala's not there, basically. There you yeah. go. Um, that'll do. <laughs> Because we need to get out of here because I kind of want to go to sleep. I've had a very, very long day. <laughs> we need to get out of here. Yeah. I've had a very long day followed by a long night yesterday and there was not much sleep in between. Kev, get your head out of the gutter. That's not what was happening. <laughs> um, but anyway, that'll do it. Like I said, total-italianfootball.com for all of your Italian football needs. We will be back for patrons over at patreon.com slash football with too much content the women's football co- podcast with Burnsy and i then the european football podcast with whoever's available um probably i'm probably going to interporto but it's to be confirmed so i don't want to say Ooh. i am because when i say i am i never do so i'm trying to go we've applied for accreditation and inter are usually nice to us milan are a nightmare but inter are usually nice to us so we'll hope so and then we will be back with the Serie A preview podcast on Friday. So that is a bonus podcast coming out on Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. And you only need to sign up for two euro a month to get that. And we're doing it basically every week between now and the end of the season, which is going to be tiring, (laughs) but we'll do it. We'll get there and then we'll reevaluate our life plans and website structure. But thank you listeners. Vito say goodbye. Goodbye. Bernsey say hello. Hello. Kev, say goodbye. Goodbye. Why would you say hello, you fucking idiot?